0: Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Pabocyclop IBRANTS 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrands and visit iBrance.com.
1: Big, big, big Bang. It is what it is, man. P.J. Scream. You don't be on nothing, I'll be on. Baby Jade. Okay, so let me ask y'all this then. Bring you Big Big, big, big facts. 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 right now. Visit the new website today, BigFactsPod.com.
2: On the count of three, say A3C. One, two, three. Without further ado, I want to bring two of the biggest, most impactful podcasts in the world. I don't know if you just saw my recent clip on Big Facts. But whoever didn't like it, fuck you. But most of you did, thank God. And I don't know if you saw my other interview on Earn Your Leisure, but it was a motherfucker. And we're going to tell the truth because these two podcasts live and stand on the truth. Without further ado, put your hands together for Rashad Bilal, Troy Millings, Big Bank, Baby Jade. And DJ Scream, earn your leisure. And Big Facts, make some noise.
3: Bam, 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 bam. What's up? That's a hell of an introduction, KB. Atlanta. Appreciate you. I love you. Atlanta, what's going on? Big Facts in the building. We Let's have earn your time. leisure in the building. Yeah, yeah. Big Bang,
2: what up? Check, check. One, two, one, two. What's up? What's up? How everybody feeling? How everybody feeling? Make some noise one time. Energy check.
4: Hell nah, y'all gotta do better than
2: that. Come on, we need to turn that shit up. Let's go. Come on. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah. <laughs> Big facts meets earn your leisure once again. How y'all doing, fellas?
5: Good. How y'all doing?
2: Blessed. Fr- fresh off Investfest. Give it up for them, you know I mean? Amazing job for Invest Fest made history. Nah, for real. So we're here to give everybody, you know what I'm saying, some motivation, some game, and of course, uh, uh some wisdom. How did the financial literacy space start for you guys let's start there
5: um well it started for me I always was interested in business like my whole entire life like I always wanted to be an entrepreneur I I didn't know exactly what area I wanted to go into but I knew that I I wanted to be an entrepreneur I wanted to do business and um I used to play basketball I I thought I was going to go to the NBA that was like my first passion and then when that didn't work out I went to college when that didn't work out um, I had to figure it out. So I started, I went back to home in New York and I started a career as a financial advisor and I was helping people. He was actually my first client. I sold them life insurance. Wow. So I was selling life insurance and college savings plans and investing people's money. And I was doing that when I was like 24 years old. Um, so that for me was the origin story as far as like how, how it started
3: for me personally. Yeah, for, for me, it really started with trying to help kids learn about money
4: you were a teacher, I was right? A teacher,
3: yeah, I was a teacher in the Bronx for eight years. And um, really, I mean, if you've been in public school, you know a lot of stuff that's being taught really isn't going to be applied. And yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody said, right, yeah, for sure. And um, I had an opportunity to to have a group of kids in the summer, and I, we were giving them internships, and based on how they performed in that internship, we were going to pay them. Okay. So I figured, this is perfect. If we're going to pay them, this is an opportunity to teach them about money, like you said, at the same time he was starting his uh, career as a financial advisor i was like this is great we should start teaching kids about money because if they learn it now at 14 15 where will they be at 19 20 30 and so their future trajectory became the goal like we're going to make sure that kids learn about money because we didn't get that in school and so we started doing that uh and then he had the brilliant idea to start recording those classrooms I i was like this is great Everybody would see what we were doing. Parents would hear about it. And they were like, right. I want my kid to have that. How do we get that in Atlanta? How do I get that in Newark? How do I get it in Chicago? And so my vision was, I need to figure out how to scale this to make this something that's just not local to my community, but something that everybody could have. And I couldn't really figure it out. I was trying to get it from school to school. And he's just like, you know what? Social media is going to be the way. So he started recording the classrooms. Mm-hmm. And that started his social media campaign where, like he said, he wanted to be a financial advisor, like a superstar one. His brilliant idea, his de- dedication to social media really sparked it. Because I'm sitting here like, all right, this is it. This is what we're going to do. He's like, nah, social media is going to be way." Those clips led to him doing interviews. Those interviews people led to people wanting more content. And so they thought he had a show. The whole time, they were like, yo, where's the show? Where's the rest of the episode? <laughs> and so one day, he was like, look, you want to start a-, a podcast? And at the time, we hadn't listened to any podcast. We didn't really know any podcasts, But this is my brother. So if he right. has an idea, I'm like, let's support it. He said, let's start a show. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And we went off in the running, earned your legion.
4: So look, let me ask you this. At what point in your life did you realize that the things that you were learning and also teaching about financial literacy could effectively change your life forever?
3: I mean, I learned it early. Um, I'm, I'm a, you know, my mom used to call me inquisitive. I had no idea what that meant <laughs> yeah. uh, until years later. I, always, I was always asking questions. I, I knew about money, but we, I never had conversations about it. And this is one of those things about being around your peers. And so Michelle was an entrepreneur. Our other partner, Mike, was an entrepreneur. They had a skill that I didn't have. And they could talk about experiences that I didn't understand, right? Because right. I was doing a nine to five. And so I was looking at it like, man. They have certain freedoms that I would love to have even though I'm inside of the system of the nine-to-five work and so I started teaching myself they started having conversations I'll never forget there was a conversation that they had right after I graduated about uh, this book called rich dad poor dad that they had read
4: yeah
3: I'm sitting there like damn I got nothing to add to the conversation I haven't read it and I, I went home that night I'm like this is the last time that anybody's gonna have a conversation around money and I can't add value to value the conversation. To it, yes, yes. So I, I made it my point to that day, start reading, start reading real estate, stocks, everything I could do to, to add to conversations. I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm going to do because I never want to have that feeling again. Right. Nah, for real. What you think the big, what y'all think the biggest, like disconnect between our people and and the paper? Like what's the biggest disconnect?
2: Sexy red. <laughs>
4: Ski. <laughs> <laughs> the views
2: of damn. I think the,
5: the biggest <laughs> disconnect <Holy> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> the, the biggest disconnect is just the mindset, honestly. Like I feel like, you know, where we come from, we come from a working class environment where it was like, you know, your parents might not have had every single thing, but they had a, a vision for you, what they wanted you to do. Like so it was like the goal was for you to do good in school. And then go to college and get a college degree and then get a good job like you know what i mean that's something that they might not have ever had the opportunity to do so that was like really pushed like that was something that was like the norm in our neighborhood like if you became a sanitation worker you hit the lottery you know what i mean because that was like mm-hmm. a very good job where you had benefits and then you could work for 20 30 years and then you could retire you get a pension this is the kind of mindset that we grew up with so i feel like we never really even thought it was achievable to be an entrepreneur. Well, we never thought about, we could own real estate and invest in stocks. Like it wasn't something that was even a thought because that it wasn't passed down to us, generation to generation. Jobs was passed down to us like that, that mentality. So the mentality of not understanding the flow of money and looking at it from a scarcity standpoint of like, all right, I get money, I'm a hoarded, I'm scared. I'm not gonna invest money. I'm not gonna do anything. Like I just wanna just make money. And just go on vacation once a year and then just put money in the bank and that's it. And that's not a pathway to wealth. Well, I like the crazy thing is, like, the people with the, the most money, like, they, they're the most radical. They'll put money in Bitcoin, they put money in this, that, because they understand it's like a frisbee. Money's not meant to just be hoarded, it's meant to actually go out, right? You like, the, exactly. So I don't think people fully understand that. And that's what keeps a lot of people, what I call like a middle class mindset where it's like, you know, you kind of like systematic, like a robot, pretty much. You wake up, you go to lunch, you go to work, you come home. And before you know it, it's like 30 years of your life has passed. And that's all you have done. It's On not- this
4: mediocre assembly line.
5: Yeah. So it's like, but like I said, but that's actually even goes back to the education system. That's what we was taught to do. If you think about it, from the time that you go to school, you have seven o'clock check-in. Then you got your 12 o'clock lunch break. You go to gym. It's all planned for you. So from yeah. the time you're like eight years old to the time that you're 22 years old, you, you've been doing that same program every single day. The repetition. Mm-hmm. You might get a week off for Christmas. You get a couple months off <laughs> for the summer. So you're, 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 you're trained like that. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of our people were never even considering, you know, financial freedom as an option. Never even thought about it. So There's now... Shit. Now that we have the internet, now that we have different examples, now that we provide information, I think that 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 mindset is starting to change. And now people are starting to understand, okay, maybe I should take this risk, or I can do this, or I don't have to work a regular job for 50 years. If you want to, you can, but there's different options for you. So I think just just understanding how, how money works and the mindset around money is something that... We
3: have never really, you know, fully understood. Yeah, and and you you used uh, (laughs) "sexy red," but the music plays a part in that too, right? So we didn't learn financial intelligence just from school. Like sometimes we learned it from music, and it might not have always been the best thing. So like I'm thinking, like I'm listening to music in the '90s, and they are telling me, "Yo, you need to put your money under the mattress, or you need to put your money in the mailbox, or in a shoebox," until you become an adult and realize when you got that money that was never money that was banked. And so if you need a loan from the bank, they're going to be like, where did the income come from? So like, these are the things that we, these myths and these, this mindset that we try to break right now, because we know that once you pass this hurdle, there's another one, right. From a financial standpoint. And so if we get those hurdles out the way early and we teach these, the, the young people early, right. They won't have these, these barriers to face, right. There'll be other barriers, but they won't have these, these ones that are very simple that we can correct right now. But then also like,
5: um, art is very important in this equation. Cause like growing up, we all wanted to be like Jay. And um, he was a major inspiration and he still is. So when we was like 12 years old, 14 years old, we listening to Jay and the way that he's talking, he's like, change is cooler, cop, but more important is lawyer fees. Like that was putting something in our brain. When he was like, I'm raping death jam till I'm a hundred million man. Like, it was like, he was giving us, he wasn't giving us direct information but the way he was talking, even when he was like, in 96, he was like, y'all dumping through the sauce. I read the Rob report. I didn't know what the Rob report was, but that right. made me, I'm like, what's the Rob report? And I'm like, oh, this is where they got yachts and boats and watches and his his way of thinking.
4: All the big shit.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 So that is is important because I feel like a lot of times people say, well, I'm just rapping about my environment. or but problem with that is that you're just going to always stay in your environment, right? There's no evolution. The the exactly, cuz people do imitate music. The the idea of like, well, I'm not a role model, it's it's not really true because they were my role models. Mm-hmm. So I know firsthand that that's who I was looking up to. I was looking up to the artists and the musicians. So if I was listening to other rappers then, we might not even be here right now, right? Fortunately, we had guidance in the music that it wasn't perfect. There was a lot of issues with even these people that we was listening to, but it led us on a path where we can actually have some level of aspiration, like an inspiration that we wanted to aspire to. It wasn't just just gang culture and drugs and stuff like that. It was like more things that we didn't have that we wanted to obtain. So I just wanted to say that because we're in Atlanta. So it's like, obviously Atlanta is the mecca of music, but that's a major part in the financial literacy thing. And even when you look at Nip. He's a, a, a real reason why even we're able to, to be here right now, right? Like the marathon and, and black entrepreneurship and all of the stuff that he was talking about that helped the minds. Ross, these people like this, like what they talk about in their music, it helped people more receptive to our message, right? Because now when you're hearing about Wingstop, you're hearing about entrepreneurship, you're hearing about investing, it's like, okay, you're starting to get it. They don't tell you enough information where you like fully know it but at least they opened your mind to be receptive to it, and then we can come in and then provide like detailed information where you can actually you know, start implementing things. Yeah, that,
3: that, that goes back to your question of that journey. And so very early on, we knew that the music was something that we could use to grab the audience in. Right. Right, and so the, the first lesson that I ever wrote on financial literacy was Jay. And it was as an adult. It, but I heard that lyric when I was 16 years old. He said, all blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even." I'm like, damn, when I started thinking about it, that's pretty profound. Because when we look at all of the people we associate with success, they come from those two fields, entertainment or sports. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything about any entrepreneurs. We didn't know anything about people in business. We didn't know about anybody in real estate or natural resources. It was just those two things. And so if those are the only two things we ever see, and we're not one of those two things, what value do we have on our life? And so that was our mission. It was like, all right, well, we're going to show these kids that there's so many other things you can be that has value, but let's get adults that are doing it right now to highlight to our public. And so that one line sparked me to think, all right, well, who are the people that have value? Who are the wealthiest people on the planet? Mm -hmm. None of them, when I looked it up, none of them came from sports entertainment. And seven of them didn't even come from America. So now it was a lesson, all right, well, we need to explore the economy from just a domestic standpoint to now an international one. Wow, we got seven billionaires in Africa that we've never spoken about. That's not going to be in your history book. That's not in your textbook. Right. But now we have an opportunity to teach you about that and teach you how they got it from natural resources and teach you how they got it from cement and electricity. But all these things will never be taught in school, right? So it goes back to the mission. Hip-hop started because we were able to decode. And my brother told me just the other day, he was like, you keep saying that y'all were able to decode music, but that's not a natural skill. That's a God-given skill. The right. fact that we were able to do it at the same time helped us again, decode business so now when I hear lyrics and I can explain it to my friends I can also hear CNBC and read the Wall Street Journal and explain it to my community you know what I'm saying
4: Right. so let me ask you this Um, from a financial and from an entrepreneurial standpoint what would be the most important gem that you would give an adult to put themselves on a path to passive income
5: well I think that the most important thing that you so it's a few different things I want to do you have to educate yourself. That's important. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me personally, my education, my real education started with, I read a, a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I read that when I was, like, 18 years old. And that, that helped me understand finances a lot better. And then from there, it's just, you know, digging down a rabbit hole of different videos and different books and literature and going to different events. But I feel like a lot of times people don't want to educate themselves, right? You can't rely on somebody else to educate you. You got to, right. it's, it's your responsibility to educate yourself. So as far as when you're looking at, you, know, you asked the question about passive income, I'm going to talk about investing, but it's extremely dangerous to start investing if you're not educated. Yeah. Facts. Right. Facts. And that's, that happens a lot. Big facts. <laughs> it's a fact. Like the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot. And, um, that's when you, you make mistakes and you lose money and that could discourage you. So the first thing that you have to do is, is really, really, um, educate yourself, right? And then from there, you know, there's different ways to go about it. I think the three biggest, you know, ways that you should be investing is stocks. We talk about stocks a lot. Um, we have a whole show devoted to stocks. That's important because everybody is not meant to be a business owner, but everybody can own a business. So you can own a business by investing in publicly traded companies, which is on the stock market, Apple, Microsoft, Google, these are all companies that everybody knows, everybody's familiar with. And if you invest in their stock, now you're a part owner in their company, right? So that's one way to go about it. Of course, real estate is forever, and you always have to live somewhere. So that's something that at the very least you should you should start with the place that you live, right? Try to, try to own where you actually are living. Um, and then from there, grow multifamily homes and you can have an apartment, rent it out and Airbnb. There's different opportunities on the real estate side. But I think that real estate is something that over the course of time, Real estate has always gone up. And if you live in a place like Atlanta, it's going to continue to go up, right? Like, I don't see Atlanta real estate dropping in the next 10 years. That's almost right. impossible. So, real estate is something that you should do. Now, one of the things that you can do too is work in collaboration with other people. A lot of people get discouraged because it's like they don't have enough time, they don't have enough energy. And it's like, I read a book and it was, years ago and it was like one of the keys to success is collaboration it's like a mastermind approach really if you think about it because if you work with two three people now it's like a superhuman right because now you're using three different people's expertise even what we do like there's things that he's good at that i don't know there's things that i'm good at that he doesn't know we have another partner so when you're investing in real estate you should look at it from a team perspective right like i'm gonna get two three people i don't have time to do every single thing myself but another person might have time to actually go to the property another person might have time to actually look and see what, what needs renovation and talk to the contractor and then we can all pull our money together so i might only have 5000 but if 3 of us have 15000 that's better or i might have 10000 but if 3 of us have 30000 that's better so group group economics is extremely important from a real estate perspective for sure and then the last one is business i feel like you know business is, is important and there's there's multiple different types of businesses. You guys are business owners, we're business owners. I feel like um, there's never been easier to start a business now. Like with everything that's happening online, social media, technology has empowered everybody to start businesses for low entry um, and whatever the business is, you have an opportunity. So business is very, very important I think in, in, in not just our community, but the world, but especially our community for a variety of different reasons. So we always encourage people to, to be business owners. But, um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are three, I think, cornerstones of what we call passive income. But even passive income is not really passive because you still have to do work. Even if you, you own a home, like, theoretically, yeah, it's passive income. But you got to check on the tenants. You got to make sure that you have a property manager in place. You got to make sure that the grass is being cut. You got to, you know, so, you know, you still want to run that like a business, right? You never right. want to get into the, the point where you're just looking at it like, all right, I just invested in something. I'm just going to just sit in the Bahamas and just collect checks. Like that might come later on, but when you're in the beginning, prepare. Be prepared to work. That, that's right. that's important. Yeah,
3: and I just want to touch on the, the part about business because this is a conversation that we had, and I'm sure we've had, and I'm sure Shai is going to touch on it as well. But we need to really challenge ourselves to invest in businesses that are scalable, right? And yeah. so in our yeah. community,
4: speak on it.
3: Historically, we, we have the same type of businesses. We're going to do the, the barbershop the hair salon, and the restaurant. Those are the three. And they're great businesses, right? But when you get inside of these businesses, it's tough to scale them, to replicate them. And in fact, what you do is you end up working for your business. And you're an employee for your business. And so, in the age of technology, and especially where we're headed in the next five years, we just came from a summit in California where they're talking about artificial intelligence. You're going to have to figure out how to scale and how to have a skill that can scale. And so, rather than, you know, trying to run away from what's ahead of us. Like you said, we need to educate ourselves to create businesses, collaborate with each other, to have a model that's scalable. So now that, you know, it's something that can exist here, it can exist in New York, it can exist in Africa, it can exist in London. And if not, we're going to stay in the same segment, right? Because we can help our families, we can maybe help our employees, but I want to challenge us to create businesses that can change the world. Like that should be our goal. We we we've we've done this model for long enough. Let's do something that's progressive enough to say, all right, I can help a thousand lives, a million lives, a billion lives.
4: Okay, and I want to... I'm not trying to cut anybody else off, but I wanted to ask you a question. Um, You were just speaking on group economics. And in your opinion, do you think that the whole group economics theory is why other races such as Asians and Jewish people are so successful?
5: Yeah, for sure. Um, You only... You can only go so far by yourself, right? And people usually feel more comfortable with people that they have similarities with. So it's like, you know, if if you're Asian, it would make sense that you would do business with people that, you know, come from the same exact country that you... Because you have the same dialect. You you eat the same food. You have the same religion. It it makes Mm -hmm. sense. So it's extremely important that you work with people that you have similarities with. Right. And um, that's just like a no-brainer. That's, some, that's that should be something that we shouldn't even really even have to fully explain at this point. I feel like if you don't understand at this point that you're making a mistake if you're not collaborating with other people, um, then you're not meant to actually be in business because it's not gonna it's not gonna work for you. Only models that have been successful have been collaborations. There's very few models where collaboration has not been put in place. So that's something that vitally is important. And like I said, that's us. Like we, we work together and it's not easy. Obviously you're going to have issues, but why would you want to start something by yourself? Nobody wants to do anything like by themselves. It's not easy. So if you can find people that have similar goals and like-minded people, then that's the pathway to be successful.
3: And I think, I think even in our community, it's something that we, we still have to remind each other about which is kind of like alarming, right? Well, you should shop black. You should shop black. Where in other communities, it's a given. Yeah.
4: yeah,
3: It's a standard, right? Like, if if I come from the Jewish community, I'm probably going to have a Jewish dentist, a Jewish doctor, a Jewish lawyer. These things are standards, right? Like, we...
4: The essentials.
3: (laughs) These are the essential things, but we have to remind ourselves. We're we're so giving and, and, and so naive to a certain extent that we'll go out and find every other culture outside of ourselves to do business with. And so even having to remind it, that's what I said, I wanna challenge everybody, especially in, in the next five to 10 years that we have to really look forward and say, all right, this should be the standard. This is how we circulate our dollar. This is what it looks like when we work together. Us even being here is something that we're working together. Even with, you know, knowing Ryan and Paul, last week we were with Puff doing his, showing up for each other in a big way. Everybody coming to investors, everybody here, patron and, and both and all three of these things. This is how we show group economics. This is how we show when we support each other. We didn't have to ask it. You know that there's value here, right? You didn't have to go anywhere else. You should do it. You should want to do it, actually. But then also
5: I want to say, we really have to educate each other the difference between consumerism, consumption, and support. So I was talking to my friend yesterday. He has a clothing line, and he was like, "Um, a, a very big NBA player wears his clothing for free. And the NBA agent told them like, You know, I told I don't know why he's wearing your clothes for free. So, as black people, we have to fully understand the difference between consumption and support. Right? Meaning, if we wear like if you got a T-shirt and I wear your T-shirt, now I think that you owe me for wearing your T-shirt, right? Or I hold it over your head like I did you a favor. But I ain't have to. You ain't have to do a favor to wear Rolex or Mercedes Benz. You ain't have to say, "Hey, lucky I drove this car." Right. Right? right, but it's like whenever we support each other, we always look at it like it's support.
2: Transactional.
5: It's, it's not. It's not support. Yeah. Like support is a very dangerous word, right? Now there can be support, whether it's in the form of mentorship, or I introduce you to somebody, or I go over, out of my way of actually making a commercial for you. But everybody has to wear clothes, so I'm making a decision to wear clothes. If I make a decision to wear a black designer's clothes. Well, that's consumption because I like the color pattern. I like the fabric and, I, and I'm wearing it just like I like Nikes or I like Cartier frames. I'm not looking at it from a standpoint of I'm supporting Cartier. Yeah. Never looked at it from a standpoint of I'm supporting Nike
4: or f- trying to further the brand. Right. Yeah. So
5: it's like that's that's another mindset that we have. If you go into a black restaurant, you're going to that black restaurant because you made a conscious decision that you were hungry and you thought that their food was good. And you should just do it and tip and that's it, right? But the mindset of like, well, now you owe me because I'm supporting your business. Even if it's done with, you know, a mindset of, okay, this is actually, I'm supporting black business. Well, that's actually dangerous because that word support lends to charity. And charity is something that we have to get out of, right? This isn't a charitable situation, it's a, it's a for-profit organization, not a non-profit organization. When you when you go to InvestFest, you're, you're paying your money because you want to learn something and you want to be around the vibe. And that's it. It's, it's not... You never looked at Phil Knight like, what, do you, what did you do with this money that I gave you? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> you you better, I better not see you in Magic City. <laughs> did, you, did you give it back to the hood? <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you give your 5% back to the neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never heard it before. So that's another thing that we got to really look at for black businesses, stop doing that. Support the black business because you want to support it because you you look to see the value in it. Don't support it because you think that it's a charitable organization. Because when you when you do that, then you're going to look at it like it's a church. Where it's like, okay, now I'm going to scrutinize you. I'm going to keep tabs on you. I'm going to make sure that you do everything right. And we don't do that for any
3: other organization yeah. in the world except for black businesses. Yeah, and the rest so around- do you- the restaurant thing is a perfect example, right? Like, we can go to a, a black restaurant just because we, I guess, want to support and let the food come out cold, right? We're writing terrible reviews, we're never going back, but when we go to McDonald's and the fries come out cold, we're like, all right, we're gonna be back next week when our kids are hungry. We don't hold each other to the same, they don't hold corporate to the same standard. And so we gotta keep that in mind, right? Like, have grace the same way you would have for McDonald's or any other company or fry or wherever you, you patron at, have the same grace, have the same patience when it comes to us, right? Because Those are franchises that have been here for decades, right? Like a lot of us are first generation. So we got to have grace for each other, even at the highest level. I talk about this all the time. The people that we've seen ascend to success, the billionaires that we've seen, we've all seen them in our lifetime, right? This isn't like something like the Walton family where, oh, you read stories about that. No, we actually watched Puff do it. We watched Jay do it. We watched Oprah do it. We watched Tyler Perry. We watched Robert Smith. Dave, Stewart, we've watched all these things happen in our lifetime. They're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna make mistakes. We gotta have grace for each other and patience with each other.
4: So basically, do you feel like when it comes to like black businesses and basically us supporting us, that support subconsciously turns into entitlement?
5: Yes, exactly. Yep. That was great. That's dude. that's a very good observation. That's we got a big fat button. Yeah. <laughs> 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 No, that's actually excellent though
2: is yeah. that our time is that really our time that's our time we'll that's our on. time that's our time
3: keep going? Right. <laughs> we need overtime oh, Ooh, she, she, she says it's our she time she says
2: it's the time she, she, look we,
3: we, we got to do this nah, we, keep, we We gonna go we're running it out call paul judge we running this nah. <laughs>
4: yeah forget that they got to get security for us
3: like.
2: <laughs> A real, real, real quick question. Do you feel like you guys have earned your leisure, or is that a consistent thing to continuously earn your leisure? Because we see a, y'all kicking it, too.
5: It's a consistent thing. You you can never feel like you made it. Once you feel like you made it, then that's when it all falls apart. So, you know, always got to keep your head down. Always got to keep working. There's always new levels. No matter what level you're at, there's another level to go to. So I think that that's that's extremely important, and that's something that, you know, for any, any level of, of life that you're in, right, I think it's extremely important to never become satisfied and um, never feel like, you know, you're at the top of the hill, right? Always remain humble and always remain hungry. That's something that we learned from the greats. Like, even if you look at Kobe, if you look at Mike, if you look at Floyd, I, I saw Floyd run at, in Fountain Blue. I'll never forget. A couple of years ago, I, I was in Fountain Blue. I was driving. It was 12 o'clock at night. I was going back to change. He was going out, and I saw him running by himself. In the middle of Fountain Blue on the highway. And he wasn't training for a fight. And this is, this is what you don't see. You see him with the $18 million watch. You see him with the yacht. But you don't right. see, like, because he's been fighting since he was five years old. It's in, winners have habits. Right, right, like, right. How you, how you right. do one thing is how you do everything, right. right? So it's like, all right, when I saw that, I gained a whole new level of respect for him. Because it was like there was no cameras around. There was no hype, man. There was no fight coming up. But he he was running at 12 o'clock at night because he understands that that's the level of dedication and determination that it took for him to get there. And he never wants to lose that. So I just encourage everybody to just make sure that when you reach success, understand that you're still at the bottom. Like, that's how we look at it. Like, no matter how how high you are, you're still at the bottom. You got to keep
3: going. I'll just quickly add that it it came from Kobe. Like, earn your leisure is a a phrase that really just means there's levels to freedom. a non-stop pursuit of freedom and and Kobe said this prior to his passing he was like post his career if he's remembered for playing basketball then he's failed at life and i was like wow he's still in pursuit of greatness so whether that was going into film whether that was going into creating academies whether that was going into education there was still pursuits there was still goals there was still the chase and pursuit of that leisure that freedom and so that's kind of how the mindset is There's, there's always a new obstacle there's always a new challenge we're always going to attack it that way. Big
2: shouts out to Earn Your Leisure. Big shouts out to yeah. Big facts. facts. We appreciate y'all facts. tuning in. Yeah. Salute. Big shouts shout out to y'all. The <laughs> biggest ever. That's a fact, KB.
1: EYL, Big Facts. For the streets. Exactly. It's Big Facts. No cap. No cap. Bitch.
0: at t connects an ode to podcasts.
1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products it's about the ethos that we embody rugged resilient and timeless
5: we went from normal life healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or b cell all
3: the st jude team came up to get cj via ambulance shortly after that i noticed a rainbow it meant that there was hope we were driving into hope iHeart.